Are you trying to find a way to afford your favorite Bible scholar's next book? Are you searching for the next biblical research book to fill your shelves? Then if you want to justify a $35 plus shipping and handling expense to your spouse, look for savings on your home and auto insurance at the Better Insurance Agency. We can evaluate your insurance rates with multiple carriers to find you the best deal with the best coverage. Because if history has shown us anything, it's that the biblical narrative is real and that you'd better have a good excuse for your spouse on not on getting yet another book by Dr. Judd Burton. So choose the Better Insurance Agency and visit us at www.thebetterquote.com today. Hey guys, this is Pastor Greg Locke with Global Vision Bible Church, Mount Juliet, Tennessee, and you are listening today to the Dig Podcast. We should read our Bible as men digging for buried treasure. The Bible is the world's most popular enigma. Its secrets lost to cultures beneath the sands of time. Or is it? It is the glory of God to conceal things, but the glory of kings is to search things out. God wants you to seek, to read his word, to to look for that knowledge. He wants you to do that. And the people at Nicaea, they like chopped out 80 books of the Bible. We need to bring those back. There's more bad guys in this thing than a Bruce Willis movie. Oh, yeah. Let's back it up here. I, I love the intro to your show because it's exactly right. There's these nuggets of gold in his word. You guys always sign the show. You, you gotta dig it. Dig it. Show us your nuggets. God, our creator, lies outside of time and space and matter. No, I feel like God would be like, hello, McFly. You ain't got it so far, then. There are secret societies think that they are the descendants of the giant. I mean, isn't is this exciting? I mean, you read it, it's like, wow. Methodology round table. But these angels were taken to help immediately. Do not pass gold, do not collect $200. You're out of the game. Dirty hands means clean theology. Can you dig it? What's going on, all my local guys and gals and long distance pals? We're back. We're back. <laughs> it's good to see you guys. Yeah, I, I we missed, missed you last week. week. Yeah. Know. How was the trip? We got a lot done. Um, got a lot uh, moving around and whatnot, but there's still more for them to do up there, and we'll see. I might end up having to go back up, but we'll find out. Just moving my mom uh, to her new place, which is a really cool place, so it'll be a it'll be a blessing for sure. You brought us some goodies for the studio. There's all sorts of cool things. My dad had amazing uh, just the the knowledge and and things that he had and I wish he's sitting here with us right now but my gosh the the knowledge and the um the different the different things the resources that he had and and that he shared with me were just unreal but we'll get to use a lot of those things and, and he'll live on that way as well so I'm 
I'm pretty happy about that, and I know he would be too. Yeah, and we're starting to get some GoPros and stuff. We're getting ready to start doing some videos so you guys get to see all the cool decorations and stuff. We got that one. Uh, you said it was a book, but I thought it was a poster. It was uh, Ron Wyatt uh, <laughs> in the Ark. That was awesome. There's you know, there's tons of stuff, I tell you. We got Ben, a big Sasquatch crossing sign. Yeah. <laughs> Just don't shoot me. I shoot back. Yeah. <laughs> So, Stephen, I've told everybody else. Remember them chickens I was supposed to get? Yeah, they haven't come yet. No. I was gone. Yeah, well. he put the order date like a month later. Yeah, yeah. Oh, those chickens. <laughs> yeah, I thought you meant chicks. the ones from my house. No, no. The little chicks I was supposed to order, I was expecting them that Friday, so I took off oh, yeah. work. Oh, that's right, yeah. No, it's a whole month. It's it's this yeah. month. He even took or a March. vacation day. Yeah, I took was a vacation. I was like, they, they got to be here today. And I finally emailed the hatchery, and they're like, well, you said March. I was like, <laughs> stupid. Well, well, you guys are getting all excited about chickens and Sorry. stuff like that. They're yummy. The weather is getting warm, so it that is. means car show season. Uh-oh. Just registered for the, the Mopar in the mountains again. Get to do some autocross racing. I'm looking forward to that. Auto That's in cross. June. That'll be is fun. That, is that the cones like yeah. out in the parking lot? Yeah. That's cool. You should try. Uh, Keisha has a high school friend and her husband does something like that, but it's more like even entails a little bit of drifting and stuff. Oh, yeah. That's what, yeah, this is. It, they got probably, big, it's probably yeah. the same stuff. Yeah. Then. It's just timed races and sharp right. turns and stuff. And, and a challenger, you know, it's a lot of fun. I guarantee <laughs> it. Well, we, now we're back into the Acts Bible study, part two. We left off in chapter six, so we'll be picking up from there. And we actually got a special guest for you guys. But before we uh, introduce him and get rolling, we'll open up in prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for everything you've given us. Thank you for being a constant light for us, giving us your word that we can dive in and, and do these Bible studies and learn so much more about you to strengthen our relationship. Please, Lord, use these, these, this podcast, these Bible studies, everything that this, that comes out of this, this garage that we're in right now, please help it for your, for your good, for your mission. And if we can reach that one person, like we always say, if we can reach that one person, everything's worth it. And in your, your name we pray, Lord. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, who we got today, Stephen? Introduce our guest. Well, we got the the great Tom Dunn with us today. Um, pretty excited about this because we got to meet him in person uh, back, oh, I, October. October. It was back in October and uh, at the Spiritual Warfare Conference. And actually, Tom, before you even say anything, I want to tell you, that I'm really excited you're here for this because one of the things you said during your speech resonated so much with me. And you said, if you want to know how to live as a Christian, read the book of acts. And it, it's, it's a blueprint for how we should live. It's a blueprint for, for how we're supposed to go out and, and, and be part of that great commission. So Tom, take it away. Hey, my friends. Um, yeah, how are you doing, Ben, Justin, and Steve? And I have a little map mapped out where where you are <laughs> on uh, on what I'm looking at. I realize this is audio, but uh, it helps me, guys. Thank you so much for inviting me on. Uh, I think this is uh, 
super cool and uh i'm excited to be part of the conversation tonight i hope i can uh i hope i can say something else that's inspiring i don't even remember saying that but if you say i said it then i'll take your word for it oh i listen when we were that to me to be honest like and we talk about this a few times that this this whole space you know the the and we always call it the kind of the Mike Heiser space. He kind of created it for us and, and middle earth and, and God, you know, be with his family and everything in this tough time. But he really opened my eyes and kind of took us down a rabbit hole, especially with that unseen realm. And then when we got into the, excuse me, when we went to that spiritual warfare conference, my gosh, like my eyes were opened in so many different ways. And then, the sad thing is, is that so many Christians are living in this space. And I was one of them for a long time that we don't even realize the battle that's going on around us, the constant warfare that we're facing that, you know, that the fact of the matter is that that war is happening around us every minute of every day. And we have, we have, there's angels fighting for us and there's, there's demons and fallen angels coming, coming at us. And we, you know, it's something if you don't, if you don't know you have an enemy, it's tough to fight him. Yeah. Um, agreed. And, uh, the, the church, you know, uh, I love the church. Uh, Jesus, uh, saved the church. The church is doing some amazing things, but they're also, um, uh, just kind of in the stone age on some other things. And, uh, this is one of them, spiritual warfare and training and, I think that uh, as soon as somebody gets saved, they should be put into a uh, some kind of a boot camp for spiritual warfare so they know what they're getting themselves into and they can learn how to fight, you know? Um, imagine sending our soldiers uh, to the, um, you know, uh, to the front line, wherever they would be, you know, and uh, without any training at all and uh, putting a gun in their hand or, you know, or, or maybe not even... Um, maybe not even that, you know, defenseless, no armor, no training. And that's what's happening when, uh, when we see people uh, get saved or, uh, you know, Christians in the church, um, you know, uh, they're, uh, they're not getting, uh, equipped. Ones that are not familiar with your work and what you do let everybody know about your ministry and how you are equipping God's people for what's going on and what kind of projects you got going on now. Yeah, um, uh, I've been, man, I'll tell you what, I guess it's been about six years now. I've been doing uh, kind of a YouTube show called uh, Through the Black, and we talk about spiritual warfare. We train, we expose the darkness. Um, it started out, a friend of mine and myself, we were having these conversations on the phone, and we thought, man, this might benefit some other people if we kind of make these conversations public. And that's what we did. Uh, and, uh, we started out my uh, good friend, Jared, he kind of went on, um, to do his own thing. He's still a good friend and, uh, the uh, show has evolved. Now I have a co-host Vicky joy. And, uh, uh, if you go to through the that's the website that links you to all of our shows, all of our stuff. Um, uh, I, and I guess I should mention before that I was, a, you know, I made a couple films and that's why I got into doing uh, the YouTube videos because I wanted to tell people about the movies that we made. So um, we, uh, we want to um, preach the gospel. We want 
want to equip the saints, edify the church, and expose the darkness. I tell you, we we love uh, Vicky Joy. We've had Vicky Joy on in the past. Um, met her at that same conference. She's just she's got so much good information, and she also has a few stories that'll make your skin crawl at the same time. Uh, you know, some of that when you talk about that spiritual warfare, some of that you know, the manifestations that also can be physical and things that people deal with and fight with all the time. And it's, you know, a lot of people are scared to talk about that. And when they do talk about it, sometimes the church, you know, uh, and certain parts of the church will shun that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just, um, uh, I, I agree with what you're saying and, uh, I'm so glad I tell you what, if we had a hundred more podcasts like the ones that you're doing right now, it wouldn't be enough. We need more people doing this, talking about this and acting locally um, and uh, trying to take away this stigma, this fear of, uh, of the unknown, uh, the supernatural, even the demonic realm. Right. And uh, just let people know, Hey, um, there are invisible enemies out there and they have ability to tempt you, to attack you. And uh, it would be um, good for you to know that. And, and then how to fight back, okay? So um, I, I also want to mention, guys, um, uh, we have a conference coming up at the end of March, March 31st, April 1st, called Out of the Darkness. And uh, you mentioned Vicki Joy, myself. Uh, we're going to have other people. Everybody from my show, from my channel is going to be there. Pastor uh, Sean Carter, um, Colleen James who uh, also wrote a book, The Lie Effect. Um, we're going to have um, Sherry Clausen, who worked with Russ Dizdar, Russ Dizdar's team. We're going to have um, uh, Pastor Mike Spaulding, Coach Dave Daubenmeyer, and then Dr. Gregory Reed, um, who, man, this guy is the old guard. He calls himself. He's a legend, and he has been doing this for decades. And not only is he a survivor, but he is also an investigator and exposer and teacher and preacher and all those things. Yeah, it's awesome, man. I'm looking forward to that. I'm going to try to get to that one if I can. Mm-hmm. See, last year when we went to that spiritual warfare conference, that was the first conference I ever went to, and uh, I was hooked after that. Yeah, I was – that was uh, that was a good one, and the great people there. And it, it's all about the fellowship and the networking. It, yeah, it is, and it opened it up to to new people that we didn't even know in the space. You know, people like uh, like like Tracy Tennant. You know, and um, I, we we've known Gilbert. You know, for a while, and and really love his we stuff. Met Kenny. Kenny met Kenny C there, and you know, and. I know you guys do that uh, that show on uh, audio topsy. Yeah, the, the music I, that, that's pretty cool stuff. But um, and I'm yeah. so glad you listened to him and went with the the Sturgill Simpson Turtles all the way. <laughs> I know you uh, that show you said you know you didn't want to do it at first, and he was the one that suggested it, but you ended up going with it because uh, he's he's got a lot of trippy songs. You know, that was the first I heard of it, and I didn't know. I, I wasn't sure about it, but um, it, it ended up being one of the best episodes that we did. So, Yeah, and we, I was, I was like a Sturgill taking... fan until I heard some of the lyrics because I loved that old school sound and the music, you know, and then when I started hearing mm -hmm. some of his lyrics, I was like, oh, man, I loved you too. You just you opened your mouth. Yeah, you opened your mouth and <laughs> killed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
Well, I tell you what, after I after that episode and listen to that song, man, uh, he has such a smooth voice, amazing writer, you know, um, and uh, and player. Uh, uh, pray for his salvation, you know, because uh, he could be using that talent for the Lord. Yeah, amen. He's lost, man, but he makes good music. Yeah. There's a lot of guys like that, unfortunately. Well, yeah. Well, you yeah. ready to dive in now? So we left off last time on chapter six. Uh, the numbers were growing. Seven was chosen to serve. And uh, Stephen started doing great signs and wonders and was arrested. He sure was. Yes. So uh, now we're at chapter seven. Uh, who wants to give their thoughts on the overview of chapter seven? Well, what I've got here is, um, you know, Stephen gets called in amongst the counts or whatever you'd call them, you know. The high the priest court. and the, yeah. Right. And uh, he asked, you know, he, uh, says Stephen is asked if he's guilty. What I thought's pretty cool is he replied with all of the Old Testament facts and stories not all of them, but, but a the, lot of them. But they all yeah. that they all knew, right? The history all, all the way back from Abraham, right. yeah. and and it was pretty much he was telling them, "Look, are y'all blind? This is exactly what what the Old Testament was talking about," and just started. Yeah. And I even seen it as a kind of role reversal. They brought him to put him on trial, but he was putting them on trial. Pretty much. Yeah, but he refused, and they drug him out and stoned him to death. Right. But there, interestingly, is where we uh, are first introduced to Saul. Right. I, I think, and I think one of the most important things that I mean, and this is why I hated stopping on six before seven because of right. how it, how it. You got to get a cliffhanger, man. They, well, it was a cliffhanger for sure. <laughs> I waited a whole month to talk about it again. But um, one of the biggest things is that you know, at the end of six, you know, it says that. All that were gazing at at him saw his face was like the face of an angel, so his face was lit up. I mean, the, he was glowing. They could see he was full of the spirit, yet they still denied him. And I think that's such an important thing when you think about this. Is as Christians, we're out there telling the truth. We're out there indisputable truth. You know, people can talk about evolution. People can talk about all these different. Uh, uh, ideas and idea or ancient aliens and all these other things that people bring up. But in the end, the truth that we have, people are just find, trying to find excuses around it because it's more comfortable for them. The, the Pharisees liked their lifestyle. The Pharisees liked how they lived. They liked being the religious leaders. They liked being in control of the people. You know, um, uh, when, when I look at this um, uh, chapter seven, uh, the first thing I think is uh, Stephen has them exactly where he wants them, right? And he, of course, he's been arrested, and uh, they're asking him to testify, but he has them exactly where he wants them, and he unleashes on them and appeals to them with information that they know, okay? Uh, they, they know all this stuff, and he's reminding them, and he's showing them the evidence very passionately, and he said, remember this, and you know, and here we go, and here we go, you know, and, uh, you know, all the way down the line, up until the current time, uh, there was no way, there's no way that they could deny what he had to say, but they did. 
and they they couldn't stop his truth, so they had to kill him. Right? Uh, I was listening to a um, to a clip earlier tonight when I was uh, doing running a bunch of errands, and uh, they were playing this um, this video of all these people that got up on TV and began to testify about uh, Jesus. Right? Like these sports people, and they kept cutting them off. Oh, we lost the feed. Oh, what? I don't know what happened. We lost him. You know. And they, they were saying, hey, you know, they, it was just a normal thing. They were just trying to give glory to God and, you know, tell people to get saved and all that. And they cut them off. If they could get away with it today, they would kill us. Okay. Many people would, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and certain certain this, countries, uh, they do. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Stephen uh, is the first person to get canceled for the gospel. You know what I'm saying? Um in a way, I mean, obviously they rejected Jesus. They, they, tra- you know, they tried to shut him down. He was, he was crucified. Right. Um, and, but they still couldn't stop him. So, um, I just, again, he takes his situation, um, and uses it to the advantage of the gospel. Uh, I, I, I wonder if he was talking to somebody else, like uh, if he was in a different court or in a different situation, you know, he would obviously use, you know, whatever he had or whatever applied to that situation, you know, to minister. But here he's um, he's taking advantage of this and giving this whole history, you know, of their people. This they know this, you know, and um, uh, just just powerful stuff and. I, I wonder what he thought when he's when he's giving this sermon, okay, and when he is, you know, I wonder if he knew, man, this could be this could be the end of me, you know, uh, maybe maybe he didn't know, but um, uh, what a, what a powerful uh, testimony and witness, bold, bold, okay, because they were told not to do this. They were told to shut up. They were told, hey, um, you guys need to get out of here with that. And they said, we can't. They said, we can't do it. You know, who are we supposed to listen to? You or God? Okay. So this is civil disobedience. Same thing is th- same thing is happening, you know, obviously in the last few years. It's not, I don't, I don't want to say it's the same thing, but there are those of us that have been resisting, you know, things like mandates and all this silliness and, you know, and, um, uh, we have, um, uh, you know, in current times, all this craziness with what they're trying to push. And they hate the Bible because it goes against what the status quo is with all of the LGBT, you know, things they're trying to um, indoctrinate our children with. Anyway, guys, be careful. That's what happens. I just start talking. No, <laughs> uh, you're, you're more than free to, to speak. I want to on stuff like that. I want to jump back and I'm yeah, norm- once again kind of. Oh, go ahead if you. Want. Oh, I, I was just gonna say. And normally we once we give our overview, we just go through and things that stand out to us, like talking points. We right. kind of just dissect. Those. Well, to to go after what he was saying, I think Stephen knew. Oh, he had to. I think. He, I think he had to have known what could. I mean, he probably didn't know definite. Might even get slapped on. You, you know, might even get whipped. Whatever. But he knew, he he went in knowing that something very serious could happen. And that's just proof that this whole thing's real. Because if I'm just, 
making hey guys, stuff up. Hey he guys, let's make stuff it. up. Oh, they ki- they killed the leader. Well, we'll still see how far we can push it. I, it's not going to happen. It doesn't make you much know, sense. No, you yeah. wouldn't die for a lie. But I do think the one important thing, if and I, going all the way back to chapter six and going back to the beginning, when Stephen was actually chosen, it said the you know the apostles, the twelve, right? The twelve are there, and they're said that you know they're getting pulled into all these disputes about who to feed and who to do this and all these other things, and they're like, listen, we don't got time to do both. And what's going to we're not going to let, you know, uh, us making sure everybody's fed hold us back from preaching the gospel. So they selected seven men. Once again, one of those awesome numbers, you know, we always talk about in the Bible, but they selected seven men. And Stephen was one of those men. So when you go through that and I love that it says that, too, I always whenever you see a descriptor or something different after somebody's name, it usually has some significance. And obviously right here you see that it does, because when they go through and list the men, it says they chose Stephen, a man full of faith. And then it goes on and it just lists some other names. And it it doesn't ever say they're all full of faith, but Stephen was full of faith. But what they chose him to do was be, for lack of a better word, he was the lunch lady, right? right. He was the lunch lady in this. He wasn't one of the 12 apostles. He wasn't one of the big shots of all this thing. And it's showing you right off the bat that everybody plays a role. It's not just the 12 apostles. And the first person to die is the lunch lady. I mean, that's crazy. Yeah. When you think about it, he was not chosen to do that. He was, he was chosen to help with all the disputes inside, to help make sure all the widows and the children were fed. Get our square pizzas. Get our square pizzas and our hot dog on a bun and all these things. But he, he goes through all those things to make sure people are fed. And then he's the one that's first martyred at showing you that God uses everybody. It's not just those ones that are called. You could call the apostles the pastors of our churches, and we all could sit back and say it's their job to preach to everybody. But no, this is this is somebody that they chose underneath them to, to, to do what some people would call a menial task. They're there to help make sure everybody's fed. Well, you can even take it like, okay, so he was out in the streets doing his job, feeding people, doing whatever, mm-hmm. and then that's when they got him, you know. While he was out, you know, like us being the church, the preachers, the disciple, as you were saying, but we go to our jobs, we are still to spread the word. Yeah, would you mention the numbers, and I'm always paying attention to the, the numbers and the, the symbolism. Uh, in verse 8, it mentions the circumcision. You know, it says that uh, the circumcision was on the eighth day. You know, the number eight, you know, was symbolic for the new beginning, something new creation was seven days and on the eighth day was the first full day of completion and and of creation you know you turn that sideways that's an infinity symbol you know this right here what we're looking at was definitely the the start of something new you know and then when you go down to verse 23 and verse 30 also mentions the number 40 you know that's another symbolic number for trial and testing you know jesus went to the wilderness 40 days israel uh, went into the wilderness. wilderness for 40 years. You know, it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, symbolism in the numbers and stuff. And you, you also see that number 40 again in uh, verse 36. So there's the number 40 alone, one, two, three different times that it's uh, stressed in this one chapter. So, I mean, the writer's trying to signal to the reader 
hey, something new has started. Not make sense. Tom? You know, um, again, I find this a fascinating study. And I, I don't know. I think it's a little bit um, – it's a little bit – different to kind of um i haven't done like a zoom in on a, on a particular chapter you think of it as a whole you know mm -hmm. sometimes and then dedicating a whole you know episode or podcast to one chapter um here and i'm skipping way ahead but you wonder if maybe he wouldn't have went there in verse 51 if they would have let him live okay um but he had to go there he had to do this and this is what it was all about OK, uh, these tyrants were trying were coming after the Christians and um, he is preaching a, a real truth to them. You stiff necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears. You are just like your fathers. You always resist the Holy Spirit. Oh, dude, I've got goosebumps right now. Just thinking <laughs> like if you were there and then, you know, everything's cool. He's like, OK, he's giving our history lesson. Right. And then all of a sudden he says that you're like, oh, shoot, oh, shoot, <laughs> you know, like um, he is um, he's swinging for the fences now. Um, was there ever a prophet your fathers did not persecute? They even killed those who predicted the coming of the righteous one. And now you have betrayed and murdered him. You who have received the law that was put into effect through angels, but have not obeyed it like. Right there, I, you know, obviously, he enraged them, right? Um, but it had to be done. And he showed us, this is how you do it, folks. Uh, and I'm going down. You know, if I'm going out, I'm going to go out fighting. I'm going to go out, you know, just um, uh, like uh, my friend Russ, to say, Russ used to say, it's going to go out like the OK Corral, right? Mm -hmm. um, and um, uh, that's what he did. He, he just... Um, uh, it seemed like everything was going to be okay up until then. And he basically um, gave him the punchline right there. And I think that's what pushed him over the edge. And they're just like, they, they couldn't, they could not handle being confronted in this way. I agree with that. Yeah. And that verse, it, oh, sorry. No, you're fine. Go uh, ahead. That verse 39 that you were talking about, I thought it was interesting because I, I got here in my notes that, you know, they didn't listen to the words of the angel of the Lord because he's calling back to Exodus there. You know, that came through Moses. They rejected his rule, you know, same as when they requested a, a king over them like the other nations and they got Saul. You know, they were constantly rejecting their current king, which was Yahweh. You know, basically his emissary was the angel of the Lord, which was Jesus. You know, he's, he's trying to show Israel how to keep how they keep repeating the same cycles and the same mistakes over and over again. Mm -hmm. And And like you were saying, you know, it hurt their ego, but it was the truth. And if it's the truth, then you're not wrong. Yeah. Truth you can't, hurts, right? you know, it's what they say. <laughs> my, my favorite saying that I have is your hurt feelings don't hurt me at all. If I'm speaking the truth to you and you get offended by it, that's not my problem. That's the way you're taking it. I mean, you, you don't obviously call them names when you're speaking the truth, but you know, and that's kind of to this effect, you know, it, it, it guarantee you hurt their feelings and their pride. So they got outraged 
and then stoned them. Well, no one would talk to the Pharisees that way. No one would. I mean, yeah. that's just oh, not yeah, they, they, it's think about present day right now. Do people talk to the president? The that president? Way? No. Like, no, this is well. you just don't talk to our you don't talk to the people who are in charge. Like the right. people in charge do not like to be challenged. Right. So they got to shut it down. Yeah. Anyway, go ahead, Tom. No. Um, well, I mean, he, he's saying something very offensive to them because circumcision was, uh, you know, was something that they held, you know, very important. And he's he's accusing them of having uncircumcised hearts. And he's saying this thing that you hold important is not important. What about your hearts? What about your your ears? You know, and um, uh, he's, he's basically just, you know, um, gi- giving it all to him. Uh, you know, right afterwards, it says they were furious. OK, and gnashed their teeth. And um, we we see. I, I guess I've been thinking about as I'm reading this, I always think about um uh law enforcement, okay, but we gotta remember you know he's talking to religious leaders here as well, you know um I mean they, they were brought before, but it, it it was it was all the same, and he's he's making charges here that um uh yeah are are very, very offensive to them. Yeah, they were held too, too. They held highly the the, the traditions and the of men. Right, much. and Jesus said that over and over. Yeah. And at the very end of the chapter, verse fifty nine, as they stoned him, just or Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He fell to his knees, knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. I mean, Being killed, I mean. Right. I mean, you start throwing rocks at me, I'm going to get pissed. At me, I'm going to get pissed. My name's Nick. I'm the owner of Kevlar Joe's and I'm the roaster. I'm an Air Force Security Forces veteran, a dad to three wild boys, and a husband to my wife, Crystal, and a coffee enthusiast. From a family in a small town in Missouri, we started with the simple idea of crafting a perfectly bold cup of coffee. Inspired by wellness and countless pots of stale coffee while deployed, we wanted to craft a bold, clean, and smooth coffee. So we did. And we realized we wanted to share this coffee with our friends. Lord knows we could all use a good cup of coffee right about now. From the farm to your coffee cup, there's nothing like a good, well-crafted, and bold cup of coffee. No matter what time of the day, it's there to pick you up, motivate you, and relax you. We hope you enjoy our coffee. Be bold, be humble, be Kevlar. And you can find Kevlar Joe's Coffee Company anytime you want at www.kevlarjoe.com. And for listeners of the Dig Bible Podcast, use the code, all caps, DIG20, whenever you're checking out to get a 20% off discount. Enjoy. He was so full of the Holy Spirit. He had that... The cognizant to say don't you know don't hold this against them lord 
I think I think it's really cool. And the ESV, I know we go back and forth with these right. translations, but the ESV says, "Then he fell asleep." Right. Right. Rather than died, and I think that's that's a, a kind of a play on how he he had earned he with his belief, and he had he had uh, been granted that salvation. Like right, he, that was. That's the whole point is that we have that Jewish belief. tradition too, you know, because they always said they they went to rest with their fathers. Right, they died over with, and over again in the Old Testament. Ancestors, and, and and it's almost kind of I can't think who else, but it's almost to the to the aspect of okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna practically tell these Pharisees off, right, with the truth. If I if I live, I win because. You know, I I I swayed him a little bit, right? I got him to see my way. If he dies, he wins. He actually wins bigger when he dies. And that's if you if you just look at life like that, you know, if you're if you're ever in say this situation, preach it to him. Mm-hmm. So they stone him at the end of uh, chapter seven. Which leads us into chapter eight. Uh, like far as like my overview, I just uh, actually I just got a little paragraph here. I, uh, I just have one sentence. Yeah, yeah. You know, Peter meets Simon the witch, performs great signs and wonders, and many believe in Simon. Uh, Peter lays hands on the people; they receive the Holy Spirit, and then Simon the witch tries to buy this power, and he is rebuked. You know, Philip meets uh, Enoch and baptizes him. You got any talking points? Anybody on eight that stood out to them? They want to. Are we are we going into chapter eight now? Yes. Oh, okay. I thought we were just doing one chapter. No, that's cool because I love chapter eight. Um, um, I was going to mention the same thing. You know, with Saul, there it says he was giving approval of his death, and it's like, I wonder if Saul heard that, heard that sermon, or if he just showed up later. What? You know, it took um, a uh, face-to-face confrontation with Jesus Mm -hmm. of Saul getting knocked off his horse. That's how hard his heart was and how, um, you know, you see these guys up here, they're gnashing their teeth, they're angry. You know, Saul believed all this stuff. Saul was circumcised. And these charges apply to Paul as well, or Saul, right? So, um, and... Uh, when it says that he gave approval of his death, um, he's saying he was ticked off too. He was offended too by the things that were said. So this, I mean, right here, this is the guy that wrote most of the new Testament. Okay. And um, I mean, what a testimony to where he was. And then, you know, obviously um, how God uses him, but um we always call this, um, we refer to chapter eight as the Philip factor because of what Philip did. Um, just standing there, uh, you know, uh, asking the, you know, the Holy Spirit, like, okay, where'd I go? Where do you want me to go? Over here? Over here? You want me to get over here? You know? And um, he's, uh, you know, um, getting direction. Uh, and uh, he he meets uh, the uh, Ethiopian but here, okay, um, hold on a second. Let me get my glasses. 
uh, here we have a, a New Testament power encounter where he runs into a magician that was that was doing things that were amazing to people. Okay, they thought this guy was a god or a god. Okay, he was blowing everybody away. Then Philip shows up and he preaches the gospel and he blew him away. Okay, and I don't know what else he did, but I think this is a great um, example to us because in modern times, Christians are afraid of Satanists. They're afraid of witchcraft. They don't even, you know what I'm saying? And I say they're afraid of it, but they sure do watch plenty of it on TV or whatever. You know, they're fascinated with it, but they're like, oh, I don't want to, you know, don't talk about that. It scares me, you know, but they're like, okay, say a little bit more. Okay. And then um, uh, here, this is how um, Philip handles it. He just goes and preaches the gospel and so powerfully that um, Simon, he's like, you know, how, how can I have what you have? Uh, I thought I had power, but your power is greater. Can I buy it? Right. So and it's a little bit confusing here because it says that Simon. Um, it says he got baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus. But then he, he went on to try and buy, you know, to try and buy the power. So I don't know. What do you guys think? That's me. I think that's all uh, basically intent. You know, it wasn't that he had a, a a God moment per se. He just saw somebody greater than him, and he wanted to be equal to. That's that's yeah. Yeah, baptize me it. and give me what you got. Yeah, thank. You know? you. And then he was like, you know, can I buy it? Yeah. When he didn't receive yeah. it after being baptized, then yeah, I'll, maybe I'll just pay this guy for the for the forbidden knowledge. Kind, yeah. yeah, and Peter, or sorry, not Peter, but Philip was basically the first missionary of the Bible. He was the first one to go out of Jerusalem and spread the word of Jesus. I'd say think about this too. Is the same kind of thing what what he did there. If you go back and you're talking about this Simon, <clears throat> sorry, you're thinking about this Simon and and him trying to you know he was able to do these amazing things. That shows us that supernatural edge of the Bible that. Those other, those other principalities. Like he was drawing this power from somewhere. This wasn't a. This wasn't just something he. You know, it wasn't a parlor trick. He was drawing his power from somewhere, and it reminds me of Exodus. When you go back and the, the, um, Israelites. You know, they're they're enslaved in in uh, Egypt, and you know they go through and the first few plagues. The Egyptian magicians are able to to replicate those. You know, they're able to to make frogs come out of the Nile. They're able to turn water to blood. You're seeing those things. But even after that, when when Moses uses God's power even even more, because you know, in the beginning Moses says, when they were able to replicate, forgive my weak use of your power. He even asked for that for that forgiveness for a weak use of his power after putting his staff down on the ground to become a snake because they were able to do those things too. You see that later on, the magicians even go to Pharaoh and say, this has to be the real God because we can't do these things. Please let these people go. The people that were doing that are doing the same thing Simon did, saying, yep, this is greater than what I have. This is beyond us, showing that God is that much greater than anything that those other principalities, those other powers, those other um, um whatever you want to call it, you know, we, we talk about those lowercase G gods that those people worshiped, uh, that were, that, that gave them these powers. You know, they're, they're for lack of a better word, they are parlor tricks compared to what God can actually do. But you're seeing that. And I think it's, it's remiss if we don't look at it and say that, okay, look at here, 
there was amazing things that these other lowercase g gods could do, and you see it, and they show it to you throughout the Bible, and you see it with this Simon was able to do these things. So we have to admit that power comes from somewhere. There is a supernatural battle happening. But his heart wasn't right. You know, he even calls him out specifically in verse 21. He says, you have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. Mm-hmm. You know, his intent, it, it was for the power. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he was, you know, going for the, the wrong reasons. But he still wanted to be admired by the people. Exactly. And we can go back all the way down to Genesis 6 and talk about that again. Yeah. Eventually, because it's the same thing. They wanted to be admired by the people. Yeah. And I wonder, too, uh, in verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is the desert place. You know, it says, An angel of the Lord. You know, Not- was this the Angel of the Lord? I don't think so. Or or it would have said the... It's hard to tell. I mean, it really is. I kind of wonder if the... And I don't know, Tom, how much you've looked into this either, but a lot of the stuff we talked to Doug Van Dorn about the Angel of the Lord book that he did and really looking into... the Christophanies and how how um, a lot of people, and including us, believe that Jesus showed himself throughout the Old Testament as the angel of the Lord. And that was that part of the Trinity coming out that you, you saw that he was there prior. But it's interesting to say after Jesus, you know, after Jesus died and he ascended to heaven, was did he still come down as the angel of the Lord? Did it change after the resurrection? Um, did he still show himself that way or did he show himself as Jesus? I, that's a question that I don't know. Um, I think it's interesting that it switches from an angel to the Holy Spirit right here. So because first it's an angel of the Lord and then I'm looking for the spot. Is it 29? Where, and the Spirit yes. said to Philip. Okay, the, uh the spirit told Philip to go to the chariot and say, okay, so it doesn't say, it doesn't say the Holy spirit, but I assume that it my, was my version says the um, Holy spirit. What okay. Does say the Holy, okay. My sp- so my it switched I mean, what the angel told him to go it? over here. Then the Holy spirit went over and told him to, you know, um, uh, where am I at? Uh, yeah. Was it 29? 29. The spirit told Philip 29. to go uh, to the chariot and stay near it. So, and the angel sent him down uh, south. So, you know, I guess um, for me in the ministry that that we do, we deal with a lot of supernatural stuff and we hear, we listen to a lot of testimony from people that need help. It's usually from the dark side, like something crazy happened, okay? And we, you know... Uh, we trust, but we verify. We know these people experience these things, you know, and um, probably a lot of them, if we were to tell these stories, people would say, okay, yeah, right, you know, um, I don't believe it, you know, and I've had some things happen to me if I told you guys, or, or let, let me just say this, if you guys told me this, I'd be like, yeah, right, Justin, okay, I'd be thinking that, I wouldn't say it, right, but I have stories like that, and you might think it as well, Um I I feel like part of the reason is there are there are parts of the uh of the church of the body of Christ uh 
that really emphasize on uh, emotionalism or this type of thing. And um, it's, it, it gets lost maybe in, um, it, maybe it gets lost in denomination, okay? And uh, it, it's difficult for us to understand that. God is moving and God is talking. If I feel like the Lord is talking to me, I really want to vet it out, okay? If the Lord tells me, hey, I want you to do this mission or I want you to do something, um, I'm like, okay, I want to test the spirits and know that that was God that told me, okay? It doesn't necessarily show that Philip was doing that there. There must have, um, uh, he must have been confident, you know, that this was, you know, an angel, Um I don't know if that makes sense, but um, but this is an example of God using an angel and then in the Holy Spirit guiding him, and um, look what uh, come out of and it. We see fruit out of it. He yes. got to witness somebody was now, baptized. When I used to go hang out with Russ Dizdar, this kind of stuff happened all the time. By the way, not angels necessarily, but the Spirit guiding us to places, and then we show up, and then they're like, "Hey, we've been looking for you." So. That's awesome. I think that's when, when, and I go back to what I, what, what you had said at that conference and say that, you know, uh, the book of acts is, is, is a, is a guidebook. It's how we're supposed to be as Christians. And I think that, I mean, that just resounded with me so much that as soon as I got home, I went home and just reread the whole book of acts because it hit me. And I feel like that's the same way that the spirit guides you in certain ways. And, whether or not you meant to say that, whether or not you, you, you know, that was something that you said for, for all of our benefit, or maybe it was just for my benefit that day, but that, that did, that was a defining moment for me with that conference and some of the things that, that, um, I've learned and, and, and I've studied since then is a direct result of that one comment you said it's through your actions. You know, we see that fruit come from it. When, when you truly have, and you look at Stephen, right, they could see the spirit in him. They knew he was full of the spirit. You know, his face shone like an angel. Like when we should be that way through our actions, through how we, how we live our lives. Yeah, image bearing. Image bearing. We, we are image bearers. Exactly. We're image bearers of God. I mean, this is something we're supposed to have that personify off us. They're, they're, it's supposed to, you know. That's how we reach people. It's not necessarily sitting there and, and beating a Bible over their head, which, you know, that's what a lot of people's biggest complaint about the Christian church is, is that they, they beat the Bible over your head and, and, and beat into submission, where the thing is, it's not supposed to be like that. And people that's outside of that club be like, I, I want whatever they got, got I yeah. want it. Yeah, exactly. Well, did anybody catch at the end of this chapter, Mount Hermon transfiguration back to ground zero? Because it says right here, it says in uh, 39, that the, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away. Mm -hmm. Okay, and then you go down to 40, it says, But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he passed through, and he preached the gospel all through the towns until he came to Caesarea Philippi. That's the town at the base of Mount Hermon, and that's the same place where Jesus stood with Peter and said, On this rock. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not withstand it. And, you know, at the base of Mount Hermon, that's where the fallen angels come down. And Jesus there transfigured and with his 70 disciples, just like Moses with the 70 elders at Sinai. 
and he sent them forth unto all the nations to reclaim his nations that were divided at the Tower of Babel. It's like it's like a return to ground zero right there. Mm-hmm. I think that, you know, it stood out to me. Well, it's the gates of hell, right? Pan's grotto right there, the altar to Pan. Taking right the fight there. right to the enemy's door. Yep. And then says, Peter, who do you say that I am? Right? You're the Christ. Right there at the at what everybody believed at the time in ancient times was was the uh, the gates to the underworld, the gates to hell. I mean, that's what they believed. So, that, I mean, that's a, I love the geography component of that. And I think, you know, there's... We look at this Gilbert, stuff. The Gilbert, the shadow one of, the, of death. <laughs> he's one of the best at that, but... Um, yeah, that stuff. I just find that that's fascinating. Well, we got enough time. Chapter nine before we finish up. I'm in. I'm in. You good with that, Tom? Hey, yeah. So, uh, this is really interesting. This is, uh, the conversion of Saul. Yep. So, uh, Tom, how do you see overview of, of chapter nine? Well, so first let me make a comment on, uh, at the end of chapter eight there. Um, this is the first uh, uh, evidence we have. I mean, uh, maybe this is where they got the idea in Star Trek to do these transporters, right? Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. Because Philip was there, and then he was, um, uh, you know, uh, how many miles away? Yeah. Pretty far away. He's there, and then he wasn't. Uh, and I love little things in the Bible like this. It's like, okay, what's the rest of the information here? I, I really want to know, okay, how did this happen? Um, did, call, you know, uh, I, I guess the other part is when Jesus, like, went through the door after his resurrection, right? There was a time when the door was locked and, you know, he appeared on the other side of the door. But um, I, I little things like this are so fascinating to me. And... Um, it's, I guess it helps me not to discount every crazy story, okay? Um, for whatever reason, God needed to transport him, and it needed to be recorded in the book of Acts, and the Holy Spirit recorded it, and we don't have much else on it. Uh, and just because somebody tells me, oh, yeah, I know a guy that happened to, doesn't mean I'm going to believe it. But, um, you know, hey, it's here, and I believe— it's crazy thing, you know what I'm saying? And this is this is one of those things that atheists might say, okay, yeah, but what about at the end of cha- Acts chapter eight? You know, do you believe this? And like, yeah, I believe it. Sorry. I believe every crazy thing in this book. Are you saying this was the first beam beam me up, Scotty? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't know what took place there, but except for what it says, so. Just to throw um, this out there, Tom, it was it's 22 miles from Gaza to. Uh, Azotus. So that's that's okay. the distance. He said he was on the road to Gaza when he met the eunuch. And from from uh, Gaza to Azotus, that's 22 miles that he just uh, miraculously uh, transported through. Right, right. And is that, is that so, close no. to history of Philippi? Um, not, not super close. I mean... If you look at like this, you know, Enoch was practically raptured, right? Well, yeah. Jesus ascended. Elijah. Elijah. Yeah. So why why couldn't he just Elijah? Hey, yeah. Philip, go over here. Yeah. Uh, what's what's I mean? Yeah. 
And he doesn't have to give us an explanation, but no. it's fun. Yeah. Well, it's like, who are we to ask? You know? I right. It's just another example of his power, though. Right. Yeah. 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 So, and, you know, I don't know. I, um, it, it, it's, it's just fun to, um, you know, we don't want to add anything to scripture and, you know, or take anything away, but it's interesting. And sometimes I wonder, you know, what, what, what happened that wasn't recorded in scripture? Okay. Because the ministry was daily. Things were happening, deliverances, you know, healings and just all this crazy stuff. But, uh, you know, our belief, the foundations of it is a belief in the supernatural, but nobody believes in the supernatural today. And, um, well, I mean, isn't that like the, they, uh, the great lie, you know, if, if they can rip us away, if the devil can rip us away piece by piece, mm-hmm. then he, then he takes the power away. Yeah. Or tries to, anyways. Right. Right. Um, chapter nine. Here we here we have Saul again. It picks up with Saul, and he is still. And uh, in, in the you know my translation says murderous threats against the Lord's disciples, uh, and he gets knocked off his horse. Uh, man, you know how many people I prayed for? I want them to get knocked off their horse. You know, here, here is one of the number one bad guys. Okay. Enemy of the church. And, uh, like I said, he heard that approving of, uh, of Stefan's murder, and, uh, execution. And how, how powerful is it? You know, I mean, and even some of the apostles were afraid of him. They're like, oh, shoot. You know, are you safe? Because we, you have a reputation, you know, and he goes on to, to minister, uh, through his, you know, his writings, um, and, and cover, cover so much ground. But anyway, I, I mean, here, here we are, here we are. Um, his heart was so hard towards the truth of the gospel, but he was zealous for these traditions. And uh, God picked him out and said, hey, I'm going to um, uh, I'm going to use you, basically said, I am Jesus, whom you um, are persecuting. Uh, Now get up and go into the city. You'll be told what you must do. Um, Just a powerful story. You know, um, so many examples we could probably think of in our own life of people that. that we're like, wow, this person's never going to get saved, and they do get saved, you know. Right. Mike or, or Kerr, somebody man. gets in a, you know, what's that? Mike Kerr. Yeah, yeah. You're talking Mike about Kerr. a transformation. Um, so I often tell people, who's the who's the least likely person in your family or in your life that you think's going to get saved? I'm like, put that person at the top of your list because God can save them. God can, and he can do it any way he wants. I get all these ideas for God. I'm like, okay, God, if you could do this and do that, you know, but sometimes he does it in the simplest way, in a way I would have never thought. And he softens somebody's heart. He convicts them and he uses some of the, some of the craziest stuff to witness. But I'm just getting goosebumps thinking about how God ministers to people, 
you know, um, uh, the way that he does. And I, I don't know, it, it just, it gives me hope for some family members that I have and, and people that I know. And we, we deal and we've dealt with like some pretty evil people on the streets. And I have a, for some of these people, I have a tiny bit of hope just because I know God can reach them. Uh, I wonder if some of them are, um, are turned over to a reprobate mind, you know, uh, I don't know, but, uh, I mean, here, here's our ultimate example, Saul. Okay. Um, and a, uh, you know, a guy that, uh, was murdering Christians, approving of the murder of Christians. And it took uh, a face-to-face confrontation, but, um, here, here we are. It was a complete flip. He went from a bounty hunter taking away from the body of Christ to a fisherman of men adding to the body of Christ. And at the same, you yeah. know, I look at it as everybody's like, oh, I'm just a nobody. God can't use me. This guy was killing them, and he flipped it around. I mean, that's a complete 180 of, you know, so so it don't matter what you've done. He can use you. Yeah. No, that's okay. I was going to say, I, last night on my show, I had a girl that, was, that lived in a dark, dark lifestyle for uh, quite a while. She was into the BDSM lifestyle, and her testimony is kind of crazy. Uh, she eventually wound up in witchcraft, found a video on YouTube, of Russ Dizdar did not like him and set out to prove him wrong. And she got saved. And now her heart is so forgiving towards the people that abused her and hurt her and did the things they did to her. And uh, she said last night on my show that she has pity for them. Just like, you know, it reminds me again, going back to uh, chapter seven, where Stephen said, Lord, don't hold this against him. That that's something out of this world, right? That's something that that humans can't do. I don't think. And one thing I got like little talking points. You know, it mentions that he was on his way, you know, to Damascus, you know, which was modern day Syria. But how uh, he names them here in my translation, it says, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Apparently, the way was what they called the right, Jewish they, believers right. in Jesus Christ. And then he's even still in denial for a moment because when he's knocked down, you know, it says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? In verse 5, he and said, he starts looking around. Well, no, he says, who are you, Lord? And this Lord is lowercase. You know, he knows it's a, a person of authority. Okay. But he still, I see it. it's right here. Yeah, that, so he, that's verse you know, five. he still got like, you know, questioning. Right. I thought that was interesting because that, that was the Greek word, you know, kurios, you know, which means someone with authority. Okay. But he was still, you know, even though you're knocked down and blinded by the light and hearing a voice but not seeing nothing, you're still not acknowledging that it that it's God. Right. <laughs> At the same time, though, that also shows, once again, that they saw things from other other lowercase, lowercase g deities so that they when they saw something miraculous it wasn't automatically god it, it that's the problem with some of our you know 
nowadays <clears throat> thinking about things, some of the supernatural things that we see and, and like when, when you're talking, you're talking about witchcraft and things of that. And this is, sorry, I'm going on a sidetrack here, but I'm, I got to do it. But when we, when we talk about this and we talk about the church and you, you, you know, a lot of the denying a lot of this other supernatural sides of the church, when you have someone who's involved in witchcraft or, or, uh, in, you know, in the Druid religion or and any of these types of things that have seen supernatural things and they come to the church and the church is like, nah, that doesn't happen, but they've seen something supernatural. So guess what? The church is pushing them away. They, the door needs to be open to them. They need to understand that there are supernatural things out there that are evil, that are bad, that, but God can supersede over all those things. Right. Well, I mean, like what you're saying, I mean, we all three know a person. I'm not going to say her name, but that used to be into some witchcraft stuff. And she's turned her life around, and they, they won't even participate in Halloween because she don't want any type of tie tie to it which uh with with this scripture here uh there's you know i'm always looking into you know the greek and the hebrew and the symbolism and stuff that's kind of like my fascination with with this stuff but in verse eight you know it says hang on a minute my logos just went crazy in verse eight it said uh, you know when saul rose from the ground it specifically says although his eyes were opened he saw nothing. You know, this word open, you know, in Hebrew, you know, was a room. And we talked about it in our uh, Genesis Adam and Eve serpent episode. Right. That that word, you know, has many meanings. And it was used in the Genesis account when, when Adam and Eve bit into the apple. It says yeah. that, you know, and their eyes were a room. And that's the same word, too, used to describe the serpent when it said he was, you know, more crafty. He was more a room, you know. So when they went to the synagogues, you know, a lot of people, you know, couldn't read or wasn't allowed to read the scrolls. So they'd read these aloud. So they use these words, and it was like connection points, you know, to kind of connect things and stuff with the people listening. And then in verse nine, and after all this happened, it says, "And for three days he was without sight, and neither ate nor drank." You know, the three days that was going the sign of Jonah. And also Christ was in darkness for three days. So therefore, you know, this is like another kind of foreshadowing or a reminder uh, to the reader. But what really stood out to me, and I was talking to Stephen about before we recorded, was later in in verse 18. It says, And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Okay, we... We both know there's there's not scales on your eyes. What what was the significance of using that word? Scales. Well what has scales? Serpents, Fish. reptilians, you know yeah. what I mean? So we we know we don't have scales on our eyes, so it was using this in my opinion to draw attention to something, and I think it goes back to that word opened, which in Hebrew was a room. So think about it. Saul was spiritually blinded by the serpent. Okay. It was like a veil over his right. eyes and he couldn't see. So once uh, he was healed, his eyes his were eyes truly were opened. And the veil that, that Satan had over him and spiritually blinding him was now gone. 
Interest. That's an interesting way. Mm-hmm. No, I like that. That's a unique. I mean, that's that's. I've never heard it. You know, that was something that you just brought up to me before this, and that it makes sense. And that's the hard part. And once again, we talked about that before the translations and the different things. Right. If you, you don't lose. look into um, the Hebrew or the Greek, really, primarily, you don't you don't get the full context the full context and that's the hard part for us you know who can't read those things and and as you said before tom you have to lean on some of those scholars to help us through some of that because um as much as i'd love to sit down and learn how to read hebrew i I don't know if in my life i'll ever get to that point i don't think i have the 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 ability (laughs) to learn something like that but um well going back to chapter seven where it says you stiff necked people with uncircumcised hearts i don't think it's too much of a stretch to say that paul could have been included in that not saying he was present when that was there but he was he was talking he offended um you know the same type of people that paul was paul was there giving approval to his death here we come to uh chapter nine we see paul get knocked off the the horse you know hey it's me who you're persecuting and um then I'm thinking of the writings of Paul, okay, uh, in Galatian uh, 5.12. He, he comes back, okay, um, and now he's with, he stands now with Stephen, who was martyred. Um, and he makes, you know, a comment here about circumcision. He's talking about, he says, as for those agitators... I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Okay. So because, um, well, what I'm trying to say here, you know, when you look at the whole body of Paul's work and especially, I don't know, I guess I, I want to say Galatians and Colossians really, and some parts in, um, in Romans, but he he's talking to, uh, this this group of people that are trying, these Jewish people that are trying to force new Christians to follow this old way or these old, you know, these old customs. And they were so offended by it. He was so offended by it. It was like out of the question that you ever say anything, you know, for Stephen to say these things. Okay. And um, Stephen's trying to appeal to them from their whole history and does this. And I, I know I sound like a broken record, but I, you know, um, that's the way my brain works is, you know, these things are firing off and I'm making connections with this stuff. Uh, and basically what I'm saying here, as I'm studying with you guys, I'm like, okay, I'm going to, when I get time, I'm going back and looking at these and making these connections and, and seeing what else I can find. But And what I think is funny too is, all the people don't believe him right away. You know, once he's healed, it says that he goes out and he starts preaching and witnessing and, and proclaiming the, the name of Jesus. And the disciples start questioning him. The people start questioning him. You know, like in the back of their mind, they're like, you know, like how cops do. Uh, what do they call that when they set a up an tra- entrapment? A sting. Yeah, they're like, yeah. this is entrapment. He's talking about Jesus. And as soon as we say amen or raise our hands, we're going right. to be bound and dragged to Jerusalem and be stoned to death just like Stephen. <laughs> <laughs> you know they were paranoid just a little bit. Well, I mean, just like was this Ananias? 
He said, it's almost like, you want me to go talk to who? Yeah. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I know who he is, you know. And what's crazy is his forgiveness also. Because right. once, you know, you know, Jesus affirms it to him and he knows, he shows up and what's the first words he says to him? He calls him brother. Right. Yeah. Forgiveness and acceptance. Yep. I mean, it's definitely wild. Yeah. In verse 30, once again, I'm sorry, guys. I know I sound like a broken record. But verse 30, Saul's told to go to where? Yep. Sistery. Sistery of Philippi. Go back to ground zero at the base of Mount Hermon. Where Jesus said, on this rock, I will build the foundations of my church. I think it's cool, too, to see just they put the little, you know, when this is all written, it's inspired, you know, by God. And every little story, every little part has a, a purpose, a meaning. <clears throat> There's always a reason that that's in there. And I think it's important for us. And that's why we always say we got to dig into this because uh, and the same thing we say in the intro, you know, it's it's the glory of kings to, to uncover the secrets that God's hidden in Scripture. But when you look through these little things and you see two different sections where Saul escapes first from uh, Damascus and then from Jerusalem and, and before he goes back down to Caesarea and then ultimately he goes to Tarsus. But when you see that, it just shows you these little things like, okay, God has a plan, right? God has a plan. So he's going to get him out of Damascus. God has a plan. He's going to get him out of Jerusalem because he's not done with them yet. And I think that's an important lesson again for all of us. And it's so important that I think you look at all these stories and just kind of look at how he used one of the greatest, you know, evangelists of all time, who was one of the the greatest persecutors of all time, (laughs) uh, persecutors of all Christians. Exactly. Well, as Don King would say, only in America, baby, only in Christianity, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Well, going with that. Right. So so obviously Paul or Saul was in the same group as the Pharisee and the, the high order of the Jewish religion, right? And yet he changed. He Paul, or Saul, did a 180. But yet, instantly, they went after him too. Mm-hmm. So even though I'm sure Saul sought them as their friends, you know, their, their co-workers... Once you make that change, you got you got to watch out. You're under attack. From, I mean, even though even though you know what we would think, oh, they're my buddies. You know, they'll listen to me. If their if their hearts are that hardened, you got to watch out. You yeah. know, and it's a political battle. Yeah, that's well, how it's, I it's see all... it because they, they have the power, they have the control, and with the power and the control, they also have the money. So therefore, if this whole Jesus thing is is real, they're nobodies, they're nothings. Oh, and it yeah. says the root of all yeah. evil is the love of money. You can't serve God and you know Mammon. You know, right. you know, it, was money. It happens, and they would lose it all. It happens then, during this time frame. And it happens during the Crusades. It's all about the church is trying to flex their power. You know, don't read the Bibles. Take the Bibles away from everybody. You know, it's all, it's, it's all about. And if there's any doubt whatsoever, 
I think, you know, when you get to chapter, or not chapter, but verse 36 about, you know, if, if God is on the move. You know, here, in the, what I think is interesting too, it says, it mentions this woman by the name of Tabitha. And it says, now there was in Joppa a disciple named Tabitha, which translated means Dor Dorcas. And she was full of good works and acts of charity. There's lots of denominations out there today that treat women as second-class citizens. Oh, yeah. And if As they would just read their their word, you know, there were so many prophetesses. There were so many women named as disciples. Look who Jesus ran around with. Right. And that ain't nothing but a political power struggle, too, in my opinion. But not only was this woman, you know, spoken very highly of, described as a disciple, she was the first resurrection, resurrected person after christ was resurrected yeah peter she was dead and peter showed up and prayed for her and and rose her back up and you know maybe just coincidentally because we know we all know i'm a coincidence theorist that happened on verse 40 the number of new beginnings <laughs> just showing this out there i think if uh, my name was dorcas i'd rather go by tabitha as well that's that's a little rough <laughs> you dork <laughs> Dorcas. <laughs> but I think that's awesome. I think that just, it just acts in general. It has really become my favorite book as a whole, just because once again, you see, you see God working. So if you go to the old Testament, you're always seeing, you know, God do something amazing. And, and you do see it occasionally through certain prophets, right? But then after the resurrection, after Jesus, and you get into acts, you're seeing that after that Holy spirits in you, you have authority. You have power now that you didn't have before. Old Testament, you had to go to the priest and say, hey, can you do this for me? You didn't have a direct link to God. God would go and sit on the uh, the, um, um, Ark. the Ark of the Covenant, right? And then and the priests were your, were your intercessors. But after Jesus, he was the ultimate intercessor. And now, yeah, the, 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 curtain veil was, the veil was ripped in two. But now, you know, Jesus is the ultimate intercessor that's given us a permanent connection with God. So that we now have the ability to go to him anytime he lives in us. Right. And that is what really you can see as you go through acts that all of a sudden people are doing so many more miracles in his name and it's being stretched hey, out. Stephen wasn't even one of the apostles. He was one that they called upon, like I said, to be the lunch lady. And you could see the spirit in him. He was so full of the Holy Spirit. Hey, and that's how I want to be. All the lunch ladies out there. You are important. Don't let Stephen diminish your work. I like the lunch lady. I love that. The is lunch not lady. what I mean. I they mean, me God can pizza. work through anybody. Lunch ladies matter. They do. Oh, dear gosh. <laughs> well, Tom, we really appreciate you coming on with us, man. It's been a lot of fun. Hopefully, we can do this again in the future. Man, thank you guys again so much for, for inviting me. Uh, I love fellowship and hanging out like this. And I love I love God's word. It, um, it it shakes me up. It's so powerful. Um, it's uh, it's not from this dimension. Agreed. Agreed. Well, uh, for uh, I guess just give us one more uh, plug. Let us know about uh, the website, the the shows when you air them, uh, and the the conference and stuff for those that. 
So yeah, have their pen and paper ready. Yeah, throughtheblack.com. That's where you can uh, find all of our stuff. You can find links to all of our shows. We have an archive of all kinds of stuff. You can kind of pick what you want to learn about. And we try to be a safe place to learn about dark things. We teach people about, for people want to know, they, we teach them what is chaos magic, what is witchcraft, okay? Uh, what are satanic sigils, you know, things like that. People see them, we see them in everyday life. So through the black.com, uh, we're on YouTube and Rumble. And um, then uh, we're having a conference coming up. Uh, you can go to through the black.com and check that out. It's called Out of the Darkness, and it's going to be amazing. Uh, you know, the teaching is super cool, but I always, what I love about the conferences is the networking and meeting people because we're just like hungry for good conversation with like-minded people. And we just kind of, you know, uh, uh, just love hanging out with each other. You know what I'm saying? So anyway. Yeah. You feed off one another. Yeah. But uh, man, it's been great. We appreciate it. Um, and yeah, uh, in the future, if you'd like to jump on something like this, I love doing these things where everybody gets to kind of put their viewpoints in. We like, I, I love doing interview shows, but I love, love I like doing like a co-host thing like this where you jump in and we get mm -hmm. to hear your opinions and your thoughts at the same time we're putting it all together because I think it's important that, like you said, iron sharpens iron and everybody's hearing everybody's viewpoints and, and you know what? What you have to say is different than what I have to say is different than what Ben and Justin have to say. And all that together is 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 God's spirit all coming together in one place. For somebody to hear. Have a good night till next time. Boom. We thank you for listening to the Dig Bible Podcast. Questions, comments, or future episode ideas, we'd love to hear from you at thedig423 at gmail.com. If you enjoy our content, don't forget to share, subscribe, and check out our Facebook group at The Dig Podcast. Remember, you can't lean on a shovel and pray for a hole. You gotta dig.